Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah, sure do. I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. And I'm Amanda. And this week, you guys, my like hands are sweaty. I'm so Kenyon excited. Kenyon needs to calm down. I need Sweatier to chill out. Normal. Kenyon is yeah. usually a sweater, but. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very special guest uh, this week. One of my absolute pod heroes. Uh, say hi to Justin from the Generation Y podcast. Hey, how's everyone doing tonight? Uh, oh, we're good. Better oh now. I feel like I'm on a real show. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. amazing. We're doing know, great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, it's been raining here for the last week. So my basement, I'm actually sitting in like a centimeter of water right now. No, <gasps> you are not. I know. Oh my You're God, floating like a on KGB an inner tube. torture device. I, I'm what? just glad that the outlets are grounded because if you if I stop talking, Holy that shit. means I'm electrocuted. <laughs> Do oh not drop about your, your lungs. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Do okay. we need to reschedge? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're in this now. Justin's He's standing water slash sewage slash mold problem is his problem, not ours. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pedicure on us, Justin. Yeah, whenever you need. <laughs> um, okay. So we have Justin on for this week's episode, and the topic is a gal's pick yes, for once. finally. Yes, my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Hear that, Alabama <laughs> lawmakers? Okay, and Kentucky and Tennessee and Georgia. And mm-hmm. Missouri. And, and <laughs> Missouri, yeah. Exactly. And the list goes on. Let's all cry. Yep. Um, the topic is double lives. Mm. Yes. L- like the ones we lead as podcasters. <laughs> I actually get get myself in trouble. I get myself in trouble because I don't lead a double enough life. So everyone just knows everything. You need to compartmentalize much more. I don't Mm -hmm. understand boundaries. (laughs) Mm -mm. We'll get into it. Oh, God. Great. (laughs) I I had to find boundaries more recently. So, yeah, I I totally get it. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad you understand me. (laughs) It's tough. It's also people don't expect like not. I don't know. Just because people are listening to us. There's like a little element of like, is this person real? And like Mm -hmm. what people don't necessarily understand is like. I haven't been not in pajamas at this point in like nine days. Oh, yeah. I haven't showered Mm -hmm. in months. Mm -hmm. Months. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember the last time I wore like jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Like pants with pockets. Yep. Yoga pants or a bust. Pro tip. Mm. I Mm. do all my editing at Starbucks or a local coffee shop because it forces me to get the hell out of my house. I do my notes at a coffee shop because, yeah, otherwise I'd never leave my apartment. 
I love not leaving my house. It's my preferred method. (laughs) I live in a dark basement, so... Lucky. There are edible (laughs) mushrooms growing from parts of my body. Oh, my God. That's how long it's been since I've showered. Hey, I'm sustainable. Speaking of edible mushrooms... Ooh, Ooh, yum. What is our wine crime pairing, Amanda, for (laughs) double lives? This one is herbaceous, but it's not fungal. So at least there's that. Um, Today we are drinking Le Rouge Sauvignon Blanc, because obviously Rouge, like double lives. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, crushed it. Um, a little info on Sauvignon Blanc. It is a white wine that owes much <laughs> of its popularity to winemakers in Bordeaux and the Loire Valley in France. Papier mâché. Um, <laughs> the Sauvignon Blanc taste is very different from other white wines like Chardonnay, thank God, um, because it has brighter, greener, herbaceous flavors. Um, the name Sauvignon Blanc means wild white. Mm. So Did not know that One of my many nicknames And originated in the south of France uh, Sauvignon Blanc is one of the most Widely planted wine grapes In the world because of it uh, Because it has such a wide range of Styles and flavors and it's hearty It can grow in a lot of different climates You'll get slightly different uh, tasting Notes depending on the viticultural Area and the climate and the soil And all the cool chemistry and meteorolo- Meteorological Scientific things yeah I'm a sommelier that go into Growing <laughs> grapes but it will Survive and can be Make it all the way to production in a variety of Different um, climates which is awesome Some of the best Sauvignon Blanc that I've ever had was in South Africa in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Or New Zealand. I was going to say, I, I actually have in my notes that I usually recommend New Zealand soft blancs. They're typically my favorite. That Marlboro mm-hmm. region is just like so on point for growing Sauve Blanc grapes and making those wines, but mm-hmm. French Bordeaux Sauves are also an absolute knock out of the park. This this bottle is a French Bordeaux uh, Sauve Blanc. It's crisp, it's elegant, it's fresh, it's balanced, it's like super, super easy drinking. It's not too grassy, it's not too acidic and citrusy, it's not too herbaceous. Everything is, it's like a song. It's like a beautiful mm. choral arrangement <laughs> of different parts hey, that blend Perfectly correct. Um, this is a cracker. So as long as your hands don't have butter all over them, like mine did from making one egg, I made one scrambled egg and used like half a <laughs> stick of butter in it because I'm a healthy person. Or if um, they're soaked in sweat like Kenyon's nervous clammy fingers. I don't want to talk about it. Yes. So I'm buttery, <laughs> Kenyon sweaty. We're going to have Lucy crack this bad boy open for us. Are we ready? Because we don't yeah. trust Justin yet. <laughs> We don't. Uh, Justin's probably drinking like scotch or something way cooler. He's drinking uh, gray water, basement gray water. It's, it's but it's labeled rainwater. Oh, Ooh. to make it All less right. terrifying. I like that. <laughs> it took days to filter through my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's quite grassy, actually. It has that earthy, grassy notes to it. <laughs> it's technically filtered water, though. Hints of mesothelioma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming you don't have asbestos in your home anymore, but I really don't know much about you, so I can't make those assumptions. All right, hey. shall we crack this bad boy open? I'm ready. Yes, let's do it. All right, here we go. Oh, lingering crack. Herbaceous nice crack. crack. Mm. Justin, I'm going to need you to say nice crack. In a Minnesota for me. accent. Mm hmm. 
in a southern accent? Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> you can do it. You can. Do you it. can. You can. Do it. Oh, you nice, can try like like a really like a really bright eye. Nice <laughs> crick. Nice <laughs> crick. Oh, you did <laughs> it. Oh. oh, I like that it. That was good. That's I better like than a lot of other guests we've had on. It's a good twist on the nice crack. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's do this. All right, Lucy and Justin just. Feel free to jump in whenever you can get a word in edgewise with the three of us. Good luck. Uh, you won't. Hint, <laughs> you won't. <laughs> Lucy, what is our background in psych for double lives? All right, here we go. This is, I, actually, I didn't think that I would find a lot of information, but I kind of did. I'm excited. So this here is we go. Going to be good. It appears from my research that most people living a double life are doing so because of infidelity. Oh, shock. Yeah. Mm. But also there are secret agents. The man who enjoys wearing high-heeled shoes but is trapped in a toxic society where those Mm -hmm. types of interests are underappreciated. Fucking patriarchy. Mm -hmm. It affects us all. There are CEOs mm-hmm. who embezzle millions from their own companies. There's that dude with the second family, like Kenyon's dad. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say infidelity. Hi, dad. Oh my god. So my so my dad, you know, he died like six years ago. Justin, you might not know that. We're all it's fine. We're all happy, She's even fine. though he's 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 not fine. I mean, he's dead. But w- he was a lovely yeah. man. You a phrased man. that weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, her dad's you're like, dead. Oh, I'm sorry. My dad's dead. Um. So my mom. <laughs> has been like slowly figuring out all these financial things that just like pop up in the years following someone's death and recently was contacted by a bank being like there is a bank account under your deceased husband's name with a considerable amount of money in it my mom is <gasps> like what the fuck <laughs> so she had to like go to the bank and then go like get a court allowance to be able to open or look at this account because it like didn't have her name on it and my sister and I are having all these theories like yes we have secret siblings that we didn't know about he totally had a second family (laughs) he was paying them through like our dad has never been a wild and crazy man we were like let's just hope we get this one nugget of like bizarro information after his death but nope He's still the sweet, boring Mike Jacobson that he always was. It was like a savings account that they had opened a long time ago that my mom totally knew about, but her name wasn't on the account. So they just had to add her name to the account. Such a fucking letdown. So my dad does not have a secret family. (laughs) A pile of dusty pennies in there. Yes. Jesus. Just a bunch of love notes that he wrote to your mom in the event of his death. Probably. How boring is that? I (laughs) read. See, I, I give my wife all my passwords to my bank accounts and stuff because I know what a pain in the ass it would be if something mm-hmm. were to happen to me. That's so mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. Uh, it's like, why why have to go there with a death certificate and a lawyer? It's when super she can annoying. Just super annoying. Transfer the money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Good for you. Good for you. Smart I mean, my banking. parents are not millennials, so I don't think that they thought on that same wavelength, but they opened most of their accounts together. So this was just one of those freak things. Hmm. So weird. Anyway, my dad did not leave a double life. Moving on. Super let down. Super disappointed. I wish I had Kenyon's dad. I'm his secret. I'm his dirty little secret. So that's the fun part. I can't wait to have him on as a guest. I can't wait to figure out his name. (laughs) (laughs) My dad leads a double life. One at the cabin. His his Menards assistant life and then his cabin life. (laughs) 
They're basically the same life. Oh my god, he's so happy when he's up at the cabin. It's alarming. I've never seen my dad like that jovial for that long of a time. Yeah, the more removed from society your father is, the happier he is. Correct. (laughs) It's a little alarming. It's a radius issue. Okay, moving on. So just to note here that a lot of my notes come from a 1992 L.A. Times article by Beth Sherman, but I will also note when it's a direct quote. So psychologically speaking, there are a variety of factors that might drive someone to lead a double life, but mostly they boil down to an intricate web of lies and also risks and also shame. A lot of double, double lives are sort of born out of like shame. You know, Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Quote, leading a double life is not as uncommon or abnormal as it may sound, says Robert Mata, director of the doctoral program at Hofstra University's School of Community Psychology and a psychologist in Hempstead, New York. Quote, according to recent statistics... 70% of all males and 50% of all females are going to have an extramarital affair at some point over the course of their marriage. What this says is that. Holy fuck. I know, right? Fucking yikes. (laughs) Justin's like, I need to go text my wife. (laughs) Where is my wife? She's not in this wet basement with me. (laughs) Richer or poorer, Mrs. Justin. In sickness and in standing water. I just figured I've been missing out. I need to get on the ball or something. (laughs) I don't think I'd know how to start an affair. Me either. I feel like this maybe has reduced because this was from 1992. Uh, And I feel like pretty consistent because I Googled it again with some more recent statistics and it's around the same number, which like holy buckets. Okay. So what this says is that most people at some time in their life are going to lead double lives, specifically related to infidelity. Mm. Unless you have an open marriage, which is, I feel like, becoming more and more common. That's the marriage I need. Too easily distracted. You know, you do what you got to do. And I don't want to be responsible for any other human person. For me, it's really not cheating. It's the commitment. (laughs) that's not you're actually a a hyper loyal i am hyper loyal but at this point in my life i'm just too fucking busy to be loyal to anyone but me right (laughs) and albus and my pets yes Mm -hmm. and callie Okay, so clearly a lot of people live double lives because of affairs, as we noted, but this kind of duality doesn't necessarily result in a complete implosion of one's life or the loss of their career or a prison sentence or murder, which I'm hoping is what we're going to talk about today. More exciting double lives. (laughs) It's popping off. Some people are not able to integrate two conflicting opposing sides of their personality, so they compartmentalize their lives and literally split their personalities according to those compartmentalizations. So, Amanda, this is what I was saying. You got to compartmentalize. Well, according to <laughs> an ex who shall remain nameless, but hint, it rhymes with pan. Um, <laughs> I have a podcast persona and I was becoming only my podcast persona, which to anyone else who's known me for any length of time is literally the same as who I am. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows? It never stops. She's I can't always believe you'd like call this. out Stan like that. <laughs> Stan. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm offended for Flan, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Bran is going to be the ruler of the kingdoms. I'm trying to do a Game of nope. Thrones thing. I can't nope. do it. You've Get, never even seen it. Get out. I know. But there is a person named Bran. Get yep. out. Yep. And you, you might just, have just spoiled the entire last episode for anyone who hasn't watched it. <laughs> this episode's not coming out for a while. It's fine. She said brawn. Okay. <laughs> Lying for these people becomes completely standard. The guilt dissipates if it was ever even there to begin with. And things take a turn toward sociopathy. Here no. for Our it. Our bread Consistent and butter. Lying. Yeah. yeah. Our yeah. bread and butter. <laughs> So this duality and how destructive it is, like pretty much everything having to do with psychology falls along a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Everyone mm -hmm. daydreams, everyone fantasizes, and those are private thoughts for the most part. Um, in some respects, those thoughts represent the same kind of ideas, but on a much smaller and presumably less destructive scale. Also, those fantasies and thoughts don't necessarily become behaviors, which is an obvious threshold that you'd need to overcome to be what we would probably call leading a double life. Mm -hmm. Right. Hence um, why I'm not in a physical relationship with Sam Hewen from Outlander. Yeah, this is the only reason. Got it. Right. It is. Cool. Cool. It is. Most of us have a public self and a private self and a podcast self. <laughs> but some people take their private selves to a darker place than most of us, which can result in obsessional, extreme, irrational behavior undertaken without much regard to consequences. So as you can tell, this might easily slip into, you know, violence, abuse, mm -hmm. things like that. Sure. This type of destructive double life can be one method of self-sabotage by people who don't feel like they deserve happiness or success. So, mm. like, if your double life is, is really r high risk, then in some cases that might be a manifestation of what you think you deserve in life. Mm. But, I mean, obviously this is not a blanket diagnosis for people who lead double lives, but it's one turn that this can take. And it probably doesn't necessarily apply to so sociopaths or psychopaths because they definitely feel they deserve happiness. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a void of emotion with both of those pathologies. So, like, right. ha what is happiness? Right. You know? Everything's kind of dust. It. Nothing matters. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God, am I a sociopath? Yes. We've been telling you this since fourth grade. <laughs> I mean, you said it. Yeah. I'm here to bring the hard truths. I find happiness, though. I like my cats. I like my bed. Okay. Those are two things. Those are two things. Good job. I like job. coloring. Okay. Oh, All right. So also, if your double slash private life is that much different from your regular life, it's easier to distance yourself from that aspect of your personality and in a way, like, kind of deny that it's you. If if your private life is is radically different, then you can kind of switch that on and off right. more easily. You know what I mean? Totally. Okay. So, all that said, I have a set of rules for living a double life if that's oh, what you choose to do. I love <laughs> that you always give how-tos <laughs> on all yeah. the fucked up shit we talk about. How, how to, to be a necrophile. How to murder someone and make it look like an accident. Yep. 
<laughs> the notes for that were really long. You're on were, so many lists. <laughs> I'm embracing Details. it. All right. Rule number one. Don't fucking talk about your double life. No. Mm-hmm. Whatever your reasons are for living a double life, it might be hard not to engage if certain topics of conversation come up. For example, if you're a closet Vegas gambler who consistently blows your entire paycheck on blackjack and you know a hell of a lot about blackjack, don't let on that you know a hell of a lot about blackjack to your coworkers. Could raise mm-hmm. suspicion. Mm-hmm. Even if they fuck something up, if they like get a rule wrong or whatever, you just zip it. Yeah, you shut your mouth. Consider every single word that comes out of your mouth and how it might affect others' perceptions of you. There was another example that I read that was like, if you are, for for example, having an affair, cheating on your spouse without their knowledge, and your coworkers are like, oh, I think I'm going to go see this in this movie this week, and you had recently seen that movie with your mistress, and you're like, yeah, it's a great movie. They'll be like, some they might think like, Oh, when did when you go did to that see movie? It? Where did you yeah. see it? Exactly. So I had, Zach and I used to live with roommates who were another couple. And like I was friends with the girl in the couple and he was friends with the guy in the couple. And we were all friendly. And then their coupleness imploded. Oh, yeah. I remember this. <laughs> and as we were all living together and I got a phone call that was like, hey, is so-and-so there? And I was like, yeah, he's right here. You want to talk to him? And like th- that was the clue that like set off the whole thing that this other person was lying about where Uh-oh. he was because the other person said that he was with so-and-so and and he clearly wasn't. Mm, You gave away his location. I had no idea. I was just asking somebody who was there. The one who ruined that relationship. It's all your (laughs) fault. And I was like, yeah, do you want to like, do you want to talk to him? And then she was like, nope, click. Oh shit. Just like, like all from there. And now you're involved. Yeah. <laughs> now you're the other woman. We got <laughs> real involved. And then one of them moved out, thank God. That was really dramatic. I specifically remember being at the Merle Hay Mall when you called me with all of this drama. You were like, find a bench and sit down. <laughs> I, I was like, I know you tea. don't know any of these people, but I have to share this with someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had some sort of double life story. I, the best I can come up with is uh, my mom always tells me like she was this totally well-behaved child growing up and all this stuff. Uh, but then I learned later that my biological father was this big-time drug dealer <gasps> who used to <gasps> smuggle drugs from like Kansas City to California. <laughs> Whoa. Cool. She got arrested with him. <gasps> my my grandparents had to like put the house up for like uh, you know sale to, to pay for bail, legal fees. <laughs> oh, oh Justin, what are you talking about? That's the juiciest double life story ever. Yeah, you're just quietly like, well, I don't really have a good story, but here's <laughs> this insane bomb I'm gonna drop on you. You're holding out. We do not do well with holder outers on this show. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's weird because she like held out my entire life telling me these crazy stories right. that I find out yeah. later from my uncles. And of course, you know, he's long dead. They'd been divorced since 
like right when I was born. Uh, so I never had him in my life, mm-hmm. but I just assumed, oh yeah, my mom, she's very well put together and everything's fine and mm-hmm. whatever. Why would I? Parents, <laughs> parents in general are like leading the ultimate double life all the time. Like if you have yeah. children, you always lead a double life. And yeah. I'm like just now in my thirties starting to get to the point in my relationship with like my mom and my sister where our mom is telling us more like juicy stories from like when she and my dad were younger or even when she was like a teenager. She's like, like a person and not a parent yes, all of a, a sudden. a real person. And it's like, mm-hmm. shit, wait a minute. You're super fucking cool. When mm-hmm. did that happen? Uh, one time, my mom, who is like this five foot two, like, worry wart. Like, if <laughs> yeah. my anxiety is bad, my mom's anxiety <laughs> is off the charts. Yeah. And I was, like, talking about, I was complaining, studying for a test back, I think... I think in college maybe and on the phone with her and was like, I'm never going to, you know, pass this test. I'm so stressed, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, honey, let me tell you about the time when I was studying for my pilot's license. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're what? (laughs) Yeah. Kenyon's mother also recently revealed that while she was pregnant with Kenyon, she never had a single ultrasound. Yeah. What? (laughs) That was probably fairly common in the 60s. Double lives. How old is it? How the old 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We went to elementary school together, but I was a teacher is what we thought. That's your double life. You're secretly a 50-year-old woman. <laughs> Oh my god! I've never uh, seen Mary Kay Letourneau and Kenyon in the same room together at the same time. So there's no true. way to know now that it's that not Now that I her. think about it. Oh my god. <laughs> Remember that fake ID you had to get into bars in college? Mm, yeah, I do. think that wasn't so fake. <laughs> okay, moving on with tips and tricks of how to live a double life. <laughs> Number two, don't affect, don't let your double life affect your work. Even mm. when your mistress calls you in the middle of the day to tell you she's pregnant, don't pick up the phone. And if you do. <laughs> Don't let it affect your performance so that others would get suspicious. Put up boundaries. You might (laughs) offer to support her through an abortion, as is her constitutional fucking right. Correct. (laughs) Like, (laughs) or if your mister calls, just saying. Yeah, that was just one example. I mean, Mm -hmm. specific examples are peppered throughout these notes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like Justin said, the boundaries. You need the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And a vasectomy, but you know, whatever. <laughs> they don't always work, Justin. <laughs> there are they, so many side effects that men do not want to deal with emotions, <laughs> it might pinch. <laughs> 15 minutes of pain. Not every day, not gaining 30 pounds and weeping inexplicably for a week every month. Yeah. Through your piano recital. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Peppered with specific examples. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, number three. On a similar note, squash any and all conflicts that could possibly spill over from one life to another as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, if you're a furry on the side and you have like a furry relationship with another furry, guilty. And they get upset about something. You don't want them showing up to your workplace in their full furry regalia to confront you. 
Mm. Squash it. You also don't want to be Googling furriness from your work computer, say. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, if you do get um, caught, just say that was the mascot from your kid's basketball game. Right, or a singing oh. telegram. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's yeah, a good one. that is good. A screaming telegram. <laughs> an angry, irate, screaming telegram with an agenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can hire that. That's going to be our next Patreon reward tier. Duh. No, I made the joking reward <laughs> tier mistake once. I'm never doing it again. I want to be the one who shows up in costume and screams at you. So this is this is my wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. If you donate a thousand dollars a month and lived with and live within two miles of Minneapolis, well, then for a thousand dollars three a straight month, I can afford to just travel to that place. <laughs> But you also need to rent a furry costume. There's dry cleaning. Oh, well, then we're set. It's machine washable. You don't really know what they use those furry costumes for, do you? (laughs) You do not want a dry clean only furry costume, let me tell you. But the heads are enormous. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, Rothy's shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number four. It's best to keep your secret life offline entirely... But if you must, at least keep your different lives on different social media platforms. Do not post the same pictures in both of your lives. Mm -hmm. Use completely different usernames with completely different email addresses or phone numbers if possible. If you're into some kinky shit, which is great, and is keeping it a secret, that's literally what Reddit is there for. Mm-hmm. And if you have any questions, just watch like a single episode of Catfish to see how not to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like not that hard to track down catfish to live people. Really not that hard. Yeah. yeah. I've done it Kenyon with does several it for every of single Amanda one of my boyfriends. Every yeah. single one. And their parents. <laughs> <sighs> I get whatever info I can get. It's brilliant and I love you for it. Oh, you're so creepy. Number five, speaking of emails, make a separate account on an entirely different host website for your secret life. So, like, that would, thro- that would throw off Neve and Max if one address was, like, a Google, Yahoo. like, a Gmail and one was a Yahoo, you know? Nobody uses Yahoo. That's what I'm saying. It's, like, the <laughs> perfect the secret. red flag. It's the perfect <laughs> red herring. Uh, I don't know. Yahoo. I feel like if somebody was emailing me from a Yahoo account, I'd be like, okay, well, clearly this is your double life account. <laughs> Our good and friend Courtney has a Yahoo account, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I judge uh, her for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, speaking of double lives, she has a toddler, so she I guess I can forgive her. Yep. <laughs> I will help fund her double life. I know. She deserves a double life. Number five. Oh, wait, that, I just said that. Number six. Always, always, always log out of your secret email and social media accounts when you're done using them. Mm-hmm. Fucking duh. That's like, step, that's the most obvious. Also, right? I know nothing about the cloud, but <laughs> seems like the cloud, whatever it may be, trips <laughs> a lot of people up. I don't understand so, the cloud either. It's like the stock market. It's like taxes. That I know it's mind. a thing and it seems to operate. It's like working for me, I guess. So I'm not <laughs> going to question it. 
the invisible hand. Justin of just the quietly cloud. laughing about our <laughs> he's, he's like an lack IT guy. He, he knows all about it. <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of the cloud, there's a new episode of Chernobyl, and I cannot wait to watch it. <gasps> I've been listening to the podcast. Okay. It's really not going there. Number seven. It can be expensive to lead a double life. High divorces are pricey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So another tip would just be to be rich. Helps. Helps Some cons inherently come with financial gain. Like, you know, gambling if you're good at it, for example. So that's that's a plus in that respect. Um, While I was kind of looking up you know, just being rich and also being a con, I came across, do we all remember Ted Haggard? No. The, the, the evangelical guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he was, like, super-duper rich. He had millions of followers, and he, um, it came out that he had been paying a male sex worker for years for methamphetamines and sex. Yeah, while he was like on his soapbox against like yeah against immorality and, and homosexuality yeah. and blah blah blah. So like color me surprised. I know, right? Right. No. Right. Way. I know. <laughs> I, I had to I mean, actively search for like not an evangelical preacher that was sleeping with a young man on the side. As our case today, it was like too cliche for double lives. <laughs> it was like the go. first two pages of Google were like these exact stories. Yeah. Right. You just have to search for pre-scandal because the scandal's coming. It's just yeah. when the other shoe is going to drop. <laughs> pre-scandal. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Number eight, don't get comfortable. When you slow down, you get lazy. You get careless. Mm-hmm. And depending on your con, you have to keep switching things up to kind of stay on the move and I'm thinking specifically of our good friend Leo DeCap in Catch Me If You Can. I love mm-hmm. that movie. It's so good. It's based it, it's based on the true story of Frank Abagnale, Abagnale. Jr. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. as we recall, he's like a pilot, and he's like a like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a dozen different things, and he's like making money and making moves, and he get, like he ca- he gets rich off of it, right? Mm-hmm, Just pretending mm-hmm. to be different people in different occupations. Wasn't he like a doctor for a minute? Yeah, yeah, scary, wild. So yeah, keep moving. Are we really keep telling moving. people how to be like cheating on their wives and murdering people right now? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, these tips. I don't feel bad because these tips and tricks are actually quite vague. And if you don't know these basics, we can't yeah. help you. And right. if you're worried about these tips and tricks, don't listen to other episodes of our show. <laughs> if these seem particularly the groundbreaking egregious. to you, yeah. you've already taken several missteps. Yeah, exactly. You're not, this is not for you. Yeah. You're not yeah. criminally minded enough. So. Yeah. No. You're going to get caught by Neve and Max in like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Army. Okay, which brings me to oh, okay. my last tip and trick, tip and or trick, which is know when to quit. Mm. Uh, to me personally, living a double life sounds exhausting. So exhausting. And not to mention it can hurt people around you, do it, especially if your double life involves high-risk behaviors like substance abuse or addiction, um, like gambling addictions or sex addictions. Um, consider your options and weigh them against some possible negative outcomes from your behaviors. 
It can be very easy to lose your perspective in these situations. So again, we're talking about that compartmentalization. Um, Mm -hmm. If your double life is different enough, you can back away and be like, nope, that's not me. I don't behave like that. Or I can, you know, turn that off whenever I want to. But it can Mm -hmm. be a lot harder than that. In reality. What happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas if it's venereal disease. Yeah. yeah. Or like hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Mm-hmm. Right. For example. Um, so, yeah, it, again, it's easy to lose your perspective. So it's most helpful to confide, confide in a third party, whether it's a close friend, a spouse, or a therapist. And regardless mm-hmm. of who you confide in or what's going on, counseling is kind of crucial to really getting back on track because it's 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 hard. You really can truly lose yourself. Mm-hmm. In the music, the moment, you own it. Mom's mm-hmm. spaghetti. Yes. You ain't never letting go. Mm-hmm. You only get one shot. Do not Do miss, not your, miss chance your chance to blow. To flo- this opportunity <laughs> comes once in a lifetime. Are we done? You better. And now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> M&M's Mom's Spaghetti. spaghetti. The newest brand of spaghetti sauce. Okay, Justin, Brought can we have a spin-off business? <laughs> Justin and my spin-off business is making canned spaghetti sauce called Mom's Spaghetti. <laughs> but, but the spaghetti's already in there. Yeah. It's just like yeah. the whole thing. It's, in the it's can. a can of spaghetti and it'll have like a slightly off <laughs> picture of Eminem where it's like, we won't get sued because it's definitely not Eminem, <laughs> but it's supposed to look like Eminem. It's Devin Sawa who's like, yeah, I'll take the work. What? Sure. I like how the reference to Mom's Spaghetti in the song is about vomit. Yeah. Oh. Vomit on a sweater already, mom spaghetti. Yeah. Oh, I didn't ever put that together. How did you not know that? Honey. I don't know. We didn't take a quick M&M break. <laughs> I mean, after the asbestos apocalypse, that's what we're going to be eating, so right. we'll be right. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> ahead of this. It's, true. it's perfect for the bunker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I be in your bunker? Oh. No, wait, I'm going to go up to Baudette and be in my dad's bunker because it already yeah. exists. Yeah. And I'll be in your you. dad's bunker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all all right. right. But for real, a word from our sponsors. Getting fit and staying healthy always sounds easier said than done. Am I right? You're right. <laughs> so I've never been more right. Mm-hmm. Open Fit is bringing something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. Lose mm. the commute to the gym thank God, and let the workouts come to you. But mm-hmm. what is Open Fit? Open Fit takes all of the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It is a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. Ugh, comfort is key. You know how much I hate going to the gym. Like, you know how much I hate working out in general. Um, but OpenFit is great because everyone's bodies and needs and like goals are different and OpenFit gets that, which is why it is personalized to your needs with custom tailored original content. They have amazing trainers and classes. OpenFit classes are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world. This is legit. Like I have not been so into an exercise video in my life. Um, you can sculpt your body with Andrea Rogers, who's the founder of the Worldwide Sensation Extend Bar, which, like, I tried. I'm not good at it, but it's really, really fun. And well, you don't have to be embarrassed. Trying. Yeah, you don't have to be embarrassed because it's just, I just did it in front of my TV. Like, no one can see me, and my dog is not capable of laughter. So 
No one's laughing at me. Um, you can also get into crazy good shape with Hunter McIntyre, who is named Sports Illustrated, one of the top 50 fittest athletes. Hello. Oh These trainers know how to get you some results real quick. And it's super simple. You can forget all the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play and work out on your schedule. 600 seconds with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins packs the fat burning, muscle building, and body sculpting benefits of much longer sessions into a fraction of the time. Love it. You can access it from anywhere at any time. You can view it on your computer, a web-enabled TV. I have a smart TV, so I just do it on my television. On your tablet, on your smartphone, if you have a Roku... You can do this. Um, and then you get results that you can see. You can lose up to 15 pounds in the first 30 days. It's pretty amazing. You Hell can flatten up. your abs. You can shape your body and look and feel great. This has been awesome while we've been on tour. Like, I can do it in a hotel room on my computer in, you know, 10 minutes. Do a quick yoga video. And they do all these different videos that are at different stages of where you are with your athleticism. So, obviously, I'm very low on the athletic scale. So I do a lot of the beginner videos, but then I can test myself and just see, like I tried one of the extend bar videos and I was very sweaty, but it was effective. It was amazing. And it was fun to try. As long as you're sore the next day, you know, you did something right. Yeah. I'm so- more, I'm more leaning toward the yoga right now, but I'm, I like that this gives me options to try a bunch of things I never would have tried before. Preach. So clearly OpenFit has changed the way that we work out. And with our special code GALS, you can join us on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use our promo code GALS, that's G-A-L-S, and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. And right now during the OpenFit 30-day challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days if you text GALS to 303030, that's 303030. You will get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutrition information completely free. Again, just text GALS to 303030 and get going. Mm, Treat your bod. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You may already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Sound familiar? There's a viral video Mm. that I seem to remember having to do with the video doorbell. Mm-hmm. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you'll Someone get an alert. Someone licking your doorbell. <laughs> you will get an alert and you will be able to see, hear, and speak to them all Love from it. your phone. I was running errands the other day and my husband texted me and said, who's at our house? And I was like, uh, oh, no. hopefully nobody. Yeah. Why? And he said, well, because the doorbell just rang. And I was like, well, uh-uh. did you look at the video and see who it was? And he's like, oh, my gosh, I forgot I can do that. It was mm-hmm. just the FedEx guy. God bless him. Oh, Zach. But it freaked me out. And it's just one of those things. It was so convenient that I did not have to race home and make sure that nobody right. was breaking into my house. Instead, right. I got a package, which was I a great surprise. That. Ring also makes an amazing gift. Let me tell you. I have friends who are new homeowners and I got them a ring video doorbell as a housewarming gift. You could also like, they have an amazing array of products on their website. You could get for any new homeowner, you could buy them this amazing, fully comprehensive security system with pieces that go on the doors that go on the windows. So that if your window gets opened, like you get an alert, um, it's, it's awesome. So if you're not interested in buying it for yourself, maybe you live in an apartment complex or a condo that already has pretty extensive security. It makes an amazing gift. All of our friends are buying houses. This is such an awesome thing to do. So, and we're all millennials and we hate it when people just drop uh, by. It's so good to be able to peek <laughs> on I your love phone. It. 
alone. I love yeah. it. And as a subscriber to our show, you have a special offer on a Ring Welcome Kit available right now at ring.com forward slash gals. The kit includes a video doorbell and a Chime Pro, which is just what you need to start building a ring of security around your home today. Go to ring.com forward slash gals. Again, that is ring.com forward slash gals. Treat your security. All right. Justin, do you want to hit us with your case? This is your moment to shine. Yes. Yes, I do. Are you ready <laughs> to be interrupted approximately one trillion times? I, I hope so. Because okay. that'll okay. Uh, cover up for maybe my lack of knowledge. But anyways. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you with more marketing ideas for mom's spaghetti. So get <laughs> going. So this case has been covered by... Uh, probably a handful of other podcasts and they've probably done multi-part series on it so geez yeah um we're getting the condensed version as condensed as mom's spaghetti (laughs) brought to you by (laughs) this will fit in the can (laughs) so if you're looking for some hard-hitting action here yeah yeah we get it we get it we cover two cases and like statistics and facts per episode so shallow dives are our move you are in the Mm -hmm. right place and i'm so excited i've got vomit on my sweater already mom (laughs) spaghetti (laughs) (laughs) so this is the story of joe and diane peichel and Mm. um i don't know if any of you know this story but it was something that i actually had thought about covering on the generation Y for a little bit, but, um, you know, I could still do it because, you know, Aaron and I can, you know, cover anything we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you are autonomous. <laughs> yes. We're keeping um, our laws off your body. <laughs> and, and, uh, I'm sure you guys cover cases that other podcasts cover all the time. No, for just- sure. <laughs> <laughs> we've never done that. How dare you? We only Not cover once. crimes we've committed ourselves <laughs> and own the rights to. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, So I'll give you a little background brief here. Uh, Diane, she grew up in uh, Indiana. She had curly, almost springy blonde hair. She was very pretty. Um, She always wanted to get the fuck out of the Midwest because it's the Midwest. And uh, so she graduated college uh, with an English degree, which that's pretty cool. And she was a fictional writer. And oh. she, she ends up moving to, I mean, when you want to get out of the Midwest, you're either moving to the West or East Coast. Yeah. Apparently. Did she go to so. LA or New York? Where'd she go? She went to New York. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> Knew it. All right. So this isn't showgirls or burlesque. This is um, center stage. Keep going. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> she moves to New York. Save the last dance. <laughs> uh, she gets a job at Life Magazine. Oh, this isn't the most unbelievable part of the story, but she actually uses her college degree for what she's doing as her career. Stop. I, clearly, she did not graduate in 2008, 2009. Yeah. yeah. And it's an English degree at that. No, it was wow. it was uh, 1965 when okay. she graduated. Oh. Kenya's so birth year. A- back, <laughs> back when you could buy okay. a house with a pack of Marlboros and a case of mom's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> an IOU on a post-it that hadn't been invented yet. (laughs) So, you know, in Life Life Magazine, that used to be big time. I don't even know if it's still around anymore, but... (laughs) I think it is. Oprah's usually on it. 
Okay. She's on um, O Magazine. She bought life and turned it into O. I right. It. All right. Yeah. So, Diane, she's in New York working at Life Magazine, and that's pretty, you know, that's a good job. And mm-hmm. she's able to afford that lifestyle. It's sort of a, so, you know, a, what is it called? A social life. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and through this lifestyle, she's meeting all kinds of, you know, high end dudes that are lawyers and stockbrokers and whatnot. And she ends up meeting a guy named Joe Peichel. And he's this upper tier, highly successful, uh, maybe like Bernie Madoff level, mm. but not quite as corrupt or not trying as to speak. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Give me real Bernie Madoff vibes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's corrupt like Bernie. I'm just saying that he's like at that level. He's fucking hey. rich. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he he was uh, like ten years earlier. He was a securities analyst, and within ten years' time, he built up to this. Uh, I guess it's a stockbroker or a stock analyst, and he manages over eighty million dollars in assets and okay. gets ten. 10- and 10% commission on that. Oh, my God. In the 60s. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to talk about it anymore. Holy. Oh, God. That's damn it. so much house. money. This is sort of into the 70s and 80s now. So, sorry. Just move forward a little bit. She graduated. Okay. She graduated college in like 65 and then, you know, moved and all that. So, yeah. this guy is self-made millionaire or millionaire off other people's stocks, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... He's part of that, you know, old boys club and, you know, where everyone's a VP and just it's just crazy. They wear expensive suits and they have really nice business cards, kind of like American Psycho. <gasps> oh, my yeah. God. Yes. I was hoping you were going there. All of us are <laughs> so excited about that movie. Yeah. So, yeah. These are exactly this the type of This still exists, by the way. Oh, yeah. These dudes. Like, I am friends with some of these dudes. And they literally pay, like, I personally know someone, and I can say this because there's no way in fucking hell that he listens to the podcast, but I personally know someone who spent $200,000 to join some kind of social club in New York City. Gross. Was it run by the Firefest guy? I was guy? just going to ask that. <laughs> I don't, I am not sure. But just, and then you still pay annual dues. That's just mm. the upfront. And then you still, it's not even like you get free food. It's just for the right <laughs> to, to pay for ah. the food at the restaurant. I can't, you guys. So you're don't friends worry. When with I a start, total idiot. When we launch Mom Spaghetti Social Club, you will be able to get all the Mom Spaghetti for free that you want. There you go. Thank God. Mm-hmm. I mean, these these are country clubs where it's, you know, $100,000, you know, initiation right. fee and then $100,000 a year just to be a member of the club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so Joe and Diane, they get married in 1978 and they buy a nice place in Greenwich Village. Oh, dang. Which is that. Wow. And then in the 1980s, they have two children, Claudia and Blake, based off the primetime TV show 
uh, soap opera dynasty. Hate it. Yes. <laughs> Hate it. Oh. oh. <laughs> to me, this was Lanty. the original first world problem for entitlement before the Real Housewives <laughs> came along. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I love Real Housewives. We really do. <laughs> my That's first okay. child will be Lisa, and my second child will be Vanderpump. <laughs> <laughs> Panky and panky. Guess which child is going to have the harder life? <laughs> Pumpy Jacobson. Anyway. Ew. Pumpy. Pumpy of the mom spaghetti pumpies. Pumpy jacks. Of the mom spaghetti pumpies. I'm crying. Okay. Anyway, keep going, Justin. You got this. We're terrible. (laughs) You know, Joe's so well off that Diane decides to quit her job at Life Magazine and be a stay-at-home mom, take care of the kids. Mm -hmm. Joe is a good father, though. I don't want to say that he's a neglectful guy that's always at work. They, They do raise the kids together, and it's actually a pretty good relationship. Mm hmm Uh. He's doing so well that they end up buying a second home uh, in Long Island in mm-hmm. the Hamptons. As you Ooh. do. Yeah. Uh, and after about nine or ten years of this, Diane's like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't want to <laughs> sit at home. I'm a creative yeah. person. Yeah. So she goes out and she gets a executive assistant's job at Harper's Magazine. Get it. Nice. Ooh, honey. And she's extremely committed to her job, her family, her home, and she's rocking it. Uh, so everyone's looking at the Pikels as this perfect power couple, right? Mm-hmm. And then comes along Black Monday, which was when the stock market yeah. crashed in the 80s, dropping over 500 points in one day. Ooh. Yeah. The lesser known Catholic holiday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where you, you hear about the rumors of stockbrokers and businessmen jumping out the windows, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so Joe ends up losing, I don't know how much he lost, but I'm assuming hundreds of thousands, if not millions on that Oof. day. Probs. Mm. At least that house in the Hamptons. She gone. So that's what ends up happening is... They're going to put the Hamptons house up for sale. And this, you know, it takes a little while, but even before Black Monday, I guess there was some rumblings in the marriage. It wasn't really going well. Mm -hmm. And Diane has been telling her coworkers, like, you know, we're fighting all the time. You know, we, we argue about everything. And one day she tells them, like, I'm taken off this weekend to go prep and stage the house in the Hamptons to sell it because we're losing, you know, half of our lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. So she takes off for the weekend and she never comes back to work. Uh Oh, Uh -oh. so her coworker, Anne is, she knows something's up on Monday morning because Diane is dedicated she's like never late late. yeah you know she's like no she's she's, like she's not just coming in late there's no there's something wrong here Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. she starts calling around going through uh diane's rolodex and you know because back then it was a rolodex little uh i had a physical rolodex yeah Mm -hmm. exactly i did too 
high school, I had a physical Rolodex and it had everybody's home phone. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I got to add some people's because some people were fancy and had cell phones. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes their parents' cell phones. Didn't you also (laughs) have people's like aim names and like a personal anecdote? Oh, yeah. I didn't I have, have the same thing. Anecdote. I didn't think this was weird. Is it weird? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's you weird. You have to keep track of everything. We were part of that generation where we actually memorized telephone numbers. Yeah. <laughs> That's very Absolutely. true. Yeah. Because how else I could would you be able to call all someone? of your home phone landlines I from growing could. up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So she's gone and. Uh, Joe, her husband, is calling her work and saying, have you guys seen my wife? Ooh, good cover, Mm, Joe. Yeah, I'm suspicious. (laughs) So uh, when Joe's calling her work, Anne, her coworker, is thinking, okay, something's really wrong now if even her husband doesn't know where she is. So Anne, her coworker, calls the police. (laughs) Not her husband, her coworker. Of course. First sign. Yeah. Good job, coworker. Man, am I right? Yeah. So she calls up uh, a guy named Detective Bill Glenn and is telling him, hey, I don't know where my coworker Diane is. Uh, And she's like, by the way, Diane was saying that she was going for a divorce with her husband. So you might look at the husband. Yeah. The t- Glenn is like, don't fucking worry, ma'am. That's where we always go. Right. <laughs> ma'am, I have the t-shirt. I have the this under control. Did it. <laughs> this is, uh, I think this is October 1987. So even then, there were the husband did it t-shirts, right? Oh, so, yeah. And the twins won the World Series, just saying. And I was one month <laughs> old, most importantly. <laughs> Jesus. You know, uh, she, she calls this detective. The tec- detective hangs up with her. And meanwhile, there's another call coming into the police station. Uh, this uh, power washing or car wash service center. I don't remember exactly what, sorry. Uh, This worker had gone out to the dumpster to throw some stuff away Mm -hmm. and he comes across some really nice items like a bag and a wallet. And, you know, it's probably a Louis Vuitton or a Gucci or Mm -hmm. something. Damn. And he's like, that doesn't belong here. (laughs) So he looks through it and he ends up finding a knife, a rope, a, a bag full of women's lingerie. Oh, the board game clue. I was gonna say, I was what is this fucking say. clue? What a is candlestick. A candlestick. <laughs> a wallet with Diane's driver's license in it. Oh mm, my god! Spread it out over like some it. dumpsters, dumbass. <laughs> And, and like, really, like, what? Uh, Was it her lingerie? Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) So this other call comes in. And, of course, this uh, detective uh, Bill Glenn guy, he's he's saying, okay, I got this call. This couple got into a fight. Now the wife's missing. But. You know, initially he's thinking, eh, couples fight. Ah, you know, what do you do about it? Right. And, right. 
It's New York. Yeah. <laughs> eh, forget about it. Eh, forget about it. Have a bagel about it. Have a pizza about it. I'm walking in. Fire. But now with this other phone... But with this other phone call about this worker finding all these items in this dumpster... Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, something's some fuckery's afoot here. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's always fuckery afoot. Mm-hmm. So he calls up Joe and says, "Dude, what's up? I'm I'm going to come over to your house and we're going to question you about the disappearance of your wife." But he's playing it like, "Okay, your wife's missing, so we're going to, you know, we're going to go over this and we're going to figure this out." Mm-hmm. Um, Glenn shows up and tells Joe about the wallet they found in this dumpster and says are you worried about your wife because we're finding her shit and we found a knife and rope you know this this looks bad so what happened and at this point joe changes his story from Mm. i don't know where my wife is to well see that night that friday night uh me and the kids, we all went to the Hamptons to stage the house. And Diane didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And he says, well, why wouldn't she show up? And he goes, well, actually, I found a condom under the bed. So I had accused her of having an affair. Mm-hmm. And we had a big fight. And that was the last time I saw her. She just stormed out and left. Okay. okay. Yeah. Joe's spinning it like <laughs> she took off with her lover because I confronted her about an affair. And she got rid of her Louis Vuitton bag with her classic knife trick in it. Yeah, the fuck she did. <laughs> classic Diane. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, and left her kids just high and dry, right. you know. To stage a house, which is not easy for a nine-year-old, let me tell you. Right. <laughs> Canyon knows. <laughs> um, so the cops are like, well, can we search the house? And Joe's like, yeah, do it, do it. It's cool. So they go in and they find a condom under the bed. Cause you know, you find a condom under the bed that you've been fighting with your wife with. Like you wouldn't yeah. have snatched it up and been like, yeah, you oh. leave it there under the bed. Gross. None yeah, of gross. this is staged at all. Uh, <laughs> and then, they find uh, blood stains on the kitchen floor. Mm. <laughs> she had a period. <laughs> she had a period. It's fine. <laughs> she was really clumsy. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's now apparent to the cops that hmm, maybe there's some foul play afoot. Here. Yeah. Mm. And they start going through Joe's records and documents. Uh, and they find out that Joe has a secret apartment yep. down, you know, downtown Manhattan, right next to his work, where it's, you know, walking distance from when he gets off work. And they go and raid that apartment mm-hmm. inside his secret apartment. What do you think they find? His mistress. Condoms everywhere. Yeah. So you're not far off. Uh, They find lingerie. They find sex toys. 
they find mm-hmm. all kinds of sexually explicit things. Which, so like, like, this is swing, great. But in your secret apartment, it's looking a little suspicious. Yeah, have have a sex apartment all you want. Just don't hide it from someone that you so love. If you're hiding it from your wife, yeah. now you're suspicious. Maybe she wants to use the toys. I do. Yeah, yeah she's probably pretty bored, Joe. Selfish. With, with a lot of these toys, they find, like, a riding crop. So they're thinking... Dominatrix. Oh. Nice, yeah. nice. Oh, okay. and, and you know these high, these high flutin, high end stock market guys. They, mm-hmm. they kind of mm-hmm. want that control taken away from them, right? Totally. Oh my God, yes. Totally. I'm loving where Flip this is the going. script. Yeah. So you know they're they're like, okay, okay, Joe. <laughs> All right, Uncle Joe. <laughs> the gig is up, Bernie. So they're. <laughs> They're like, you need to come in for questioning to the station. And Joe's trying to be helpful. You know, he's like, all right, let's, let's do this. So he comes in and they're, they're telling him like, we need to strip search you. And he's like, yes, He's please. like, as long as the female cop does it, then I am on board. And here I brought my own riding crop. <laughs> Can you also hog tie me? <laughs> Actually, oh God, he's refusing. Oh, does not want to take off his clothes until the detectives are literally forcibly removing his clothes from mm-hmm. him. And underneath his three thousand dollars suit, he's wearing women's lingerie. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. The missing Joe. wife. We found the lingerie. Yeah, so not hers, but his. They find that all the lingerie that was in his secret apartment and found in that bag was too big to fit Diane. Oh, I called it like 10 minutes ago. (laughs) It just reminds me of that meme photo of that like really normal looking guy in the like frumpy suit. And he turns around and the suit is backless and he's wearing a total like leather daddy outfit. There's a mirror behind him. And so you just see the back where he's just in like assless chaps. It's so good. It's perfect. The private self, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, the meme is like my regular life versus my real life or whatever. (laughs) And Amanda's just here in assless chaps. Always. That's it. I'm, I'm thinking Buffalo Bill from Silence of the That's Lambs. That's me. Buffalo Jill. <laughs> so after he strips and they find him wearing women's lingerie, they also Buddy. notice that he has this long scratch or cut along his side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe defensive wound, maybe, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so obviously Joe knows the gig is up and he's like okay let me let me come clean here guys uh she'd come to the hamptons house at one in the morning that night and i knew she was out with her other lover we got into a big fight she was screaming at me and she got a knife and she cut me mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sure a likely story mm-hmm. and so I had to defend myself and I strangled her. Uh-huh. At this same time, 
a, a city crew, like a maintenance crew, ends up finding a body on the side of the highway. Oh, shit. The side of a highway? Fucking try idiot. harder. The mother Ugh. of your children? You fuck. I, I think he... I think he dumped her like in a ditch or somewhere that was not quite as noticeable, but mm-hmm. she had been bound, uh, her wrists and ankles. She had been severely beaten. Yeah. So not strangled in a, Oh, she attacked me situation. Yeah. Not self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, a medical examiner will even say, yeah, that, that cut on your side looks pretty self-inflicted no oh what a dick for real and i liked him when i found out about the lingerie that was exciting Mm -hmm. yeah i was like you do you boo not if he's murdering people yeah not that much you know once her body's found and he pretty much confesses to murdering her but in a self-defense robert durst kind of way Uh (laughs) three times Yes. Uh, they charge him with second degree murder. <laughs> I don't know why it's not first degree. Though, yeah. Because- I'm like, eh. maybe because he was so shitty at covering it up. They're like, this couldn't have been premeditated. You dumbass. You're so inept. <laughs> Do better. Maybe they liked the women's underwear detail, too. <laughs> so Joe is... Sticking to his story, he hires a lawyer, of course, a high-end lawyer, to defend him, to back up his claims. Now, their marriage had been on a downward downward spiral for about a year before this. Mm -hmm. And Joe was actually recording their arguments (gasps) on a, like, creep. Ooh. Like his rich lawyer told him to do. Yeah, initially for, like divorce reasons yeah he'll probably he'd probably want to pay her as little as possible i bet there was no prenup and he was already scheming this divorce thing ugh ugh during these arguments it was vicious and combative and uh diane you know she found some of the lingerie Mm -hmm. she wasn't happy about it yeah she thought he was having an affair Mm -hmm. Mm. And then she accused him of, you know, having this affair, doing all this stuff. And he would accuse her of neglecting the kids and getting this job. It was just nasty, right? How dare you work? Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, this is another reason why toxic masculinity and the fucking patriarchy are so annoying. Because if he could have been upfront with his partner, his fucking wife about what his like sexual preferences were, which wearing women's lingerie as a man's sexual preference is really not even that fucking weird. That's pretty run of the mill. Yeah. That's not that exciting, but like maybe she would have been open to it and then not been convinced he was cheating because he was so fucking toxically masculine that he couldn't even confess his like sexual desires to his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And turn his shame cheating. into aggression. Yeah. I wonder if he was cheating also, and that's also an element of his um, defensiveness. I mean, maybe, but it doesn't, that element doesn't even need to be there. Like, this is so, n- this is such a dude thing to do to be like, no, I don't, I'm not gay. I don't wear women's lingerie. Yeah. And then that, you know, that's what the conversation turned into. Yeah. Because yeah. she also found a videotape, VHS. 
tape mm. of oh. him dressed in lingerie as his alter ego Cleo. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dancing to Tina Turner. Oh, what a queen. I'm into it. I'd be yeah. really thrilled if I found a video of Corey doing this. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. we made one together? <laughs> also, this is just my casual Tuesday. Putting on lingerie and dancing to Tina Turner is something I do, like, weekly. Yeah. We did it together last weekend. We literally did. <laughs> but you got to realize, this is 1987. Right. 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 And a man, a man. powerful, rich man. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I totally hear you. Totally. Um, so she's pissed about this. She says that he's gay. He probably has AIDS. He's a pervert. All right. Well, this bitch, bitch. I take back everything I said about his partner, maybe being cool with it. Fuck you. Don't shame people's kinks. And she (laughs) says, um, if I'm going to divorce you and I want full custody, custody of the kids. And if you don't give me full custody, I'm going to expose you. Mm. Oh, shit. Now we've got a massive motive. Yeah. And she also threatens to kill him on these tapes. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just get it. So they're doing great. Their marriage is totally healthy. (sighs) (laughs) This is. You know, it's it's crazy, and this is what happens when you have a double life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it all comes out, you know, uh, and yeah. So mm-hmm. he says that, you know, this was not his fault. He says he accidentally murdered her. But remember, this happened like, you know, Friday or Saturday, you know, in the middle of the night. Right. He had to go and drop his kids off that Monday. Oh, oh my God. No. Well, when he went and dropped his kids off, his dead wife was in the back of the car. Oh, my God. Oh. No. Oh, no. Just so you know. <laughs> so he could dump her body later. I can't even keep closed, sealed bags of dog food in my car from the grocery <laughs> store because uh-huh. they make the car smell like dog food. Like, I can't. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, that is so gross i hate that yeah interacting with your kids when their dead mom is in the back disgusting so even with this defense even with all of the transcripts from the recordings her threatening his life her threatening him with all these things the jury doesn't buy it because (laughs) well he's he disposed of her body. He was calling her work. Right. He, he was lying through, yeah. you know. So luckily, this wasn't a Robert Durst kind of thing where they're like, oh, well, you know, there's something going on here. No. They they find him guilty. Second degree murder. Like. Thousand <laughs> um, percent. <laughs> now, before he lands in jail or before sentencing, he had actually gotten very sick. And he died from complications of AIDS. Mm-hmm. Mm. So he probably was having an affair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not going to get into the whole AIDS horribleness 
stigma that occurred in the 80s and 90s and even mm-hmm. still to this day. But if you're having an affair and you're having unprotected sex with other people outside of your mon- ostensibly monogamous partnership, you regardless are, of with whom, right, you are risking the health of not just yourself but mm-hmm. also your partner and whoever they're fucking behind your back. So, <laughs> <laughs> excellent point. Excellent point. Just saying. Um. So I mean, I'm. I don't feel bad for this guy because he murdered his wife. Totally. But I have this inkling of feeling bad for him because he was leading this double life that he couldn't be honest about, that he wouldn't be honest about, that shame, that everything that he felt that his life was going to be destroyed. And then when it was, you know, when the truth was outed, he was threatened yeah. with the removal of his children. Mm-hmm. I don't feel sympathy for him, but it's like I get it. There's yeah. context. Right. There's, it's a real motive. It's a better motive than some people, not better, but it's, it's a more tangible motive than like some people who are like, $25,000 life insurance policy. Right. Where it's like, really, right. really, dude, do you need that jet ski, you fuck? And there's a big difference between looking at a set of circumstances and saying, I would not do that. You know, I would never do that. Like that kind of sympathy or not feeling sympathy and understanding why that person did it. Right. Like mm-hmm. logically connecting the dots. Right. And and it just sucks because you have the, the whole double life. You have probably the uh, gay lifestyle he was living, probably, uh, you know, his coworkers, you know, these fellow VPs and this power corporation, you know, it's just all of those elements. There's so much pressure on somebody that lives that sort of lifestyle. And again, I can't emphasize enough that that doesn't mean you kill somebody. It doesn't mean you kill your wife or leave your children parentless. But I, I just taking all those things into account and especially in the time, it's just, that's a recipe for disaster. (laughs) People, yeah, right. when your whole uh, main life is threatened with exposure, like, yeah, people can do some wild shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's all right. That's the double life story I have. Oh, Justin, nicely that was done. titillating. That Thank was. you so much. No problem. All right. Should Thank we hear you for sharing. A quick word from our sponsors. Let's yes. do it. When to start a family is a completely personal decision. Yes. Some people want kids now. Others want to wait 10 years. Others don't want any ever. Uh, We all have the tools to prevent pregnancy, thank God. But we need more information to help us plan for it, even if kids are in the far, far future. Absolutely. No matter what your plan is, the one simple step that you should consider taking today is an at-home hormone fertility test from Modern Fertility. It mm-hmm. could not be easier. I have taken it because I don't want kids, and I just want to see where I'm at. Like, it's brilliant. You just got to see where you're at. I mm-hmm. also took the at-home test, and now I know. And I also know that, you know, I have a couple years that I could wait if 
it's just not fitting into my lifestyle right now, which is a huge relief off of just this constant mentality that a lot of women my age today have from, oh, I don't know, your in-laws or whoever's mm-hmm. pressuring you. When are you gonna when are you gonna catch up to your older sister? It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, can you just let me figure it out? So let me go f- over my comprehensive modern fertility results with you now. <laughs> you asked. Exactly. Settle in. <laughs> exactly. So Grandma modern Ruth. fertility offers you convenience. It ships that kit straight to your house. You get a physician reviewed results in just a few days. It's so fast. It's also cost efficient. Mm-hmm. It's just $159. Modern fertility gives you access to the information you need to help you plan ahead. And really, that is a very small amount for the peace of mind that it is given me personally. Mm-hmm. And these same tests are over $1,000 at a doctor's office. And you can use an FSA or an HSA. Hello? That's you got amazing. it sitting there. No Why brainer. Use it? A personal fertility team is connected with you. You can connect with a fertility nurse, join their weekly webinar, and participate in their active online community with women just like you, no matter what stage you're at. There are mm-hmm. people using modern fertility who are in your same mindset. It offers you peace of mind once again. It gives you the knowledge and information that you need to make the best decision and quality, quality people. Mm-hmm. All tests are conducted in a CLIA certified lab and Modern Fertility's team of physicians and clinical advisors lead some of the nation's top fertility clinics. It's for real. So visit modernfertility.com forward slash gals and take their fertility quiz and get $20 off your modern fertility test. That's modernfertility.com forward slash gals to take the fertility quiz and get $20 off. That's again, modernfertility.com forward slash gals treat yo ovulation slash fertility slash peace of mind planning all of the above whatever scent you may be wearing you have good taste and you know what you like but your good taste is also expensive yes it is mm-hmm. me talking to me <laughs> and you end up with a shelf full of half used bottles of fragrances yeah. i literally have half i have like a graveyard of half-used fragrances, makeup, all these different things that I've been trying. Or you've been wearing the same two perfumes for years because going out to buy a new one is a hassle and like just walking into that part of the mall gives you a headache. Yeah. Just the worst. But with Scentbird, we have found a way to have great taste and mix up our fragrance routine without breaking the bank, whether it's quite literally Tom Ford, Gucci, or Versace. Scentbird.com keeps us smelling good month after month. I love this service so much. The perfumes come in these cute little like drawstring bags. They're colorful, they're small, and they just like spritz. It's not the ones that you like take the lid off of and then pour out. It's like a little spray, which Mm -hmm. I love. They're very portable. Yeah, super portable. They're very compact, so I can stick it in my purse. I can put it in. I have one in my car um, just in case I just forget and I get in my car and I'm like, whoo. Not cute. And then I could spray. Um, <laughs> Beach Hut Woman is one of our favorite scents. There's one called I Am Trash. Amanda's favorite. <laughs> Literally my daily wear. But it's great because I can get stuff that's like really casual and nice for just day to day, going out, walking the dog, running errands, whatever. But then I can also invest in something like a Versace fragrance that I'm only using 
you know, for special occasions. So I have a little bit of both without having to buy full-size bottles, and it's delivered to my door. What more could you want? And it's barely an investment. It's so affordable. You choose the perfume or cologne that you want to try, and Scentbird will send you a 30-day supply. That is 120 Mm sprays-ish, roughly. Uh, enough to apply more than four times daily for a month. And if you're not sure what kind of scent or what type of scent you're looking for, you can sort and find your new fragrances by brand, style, occasion, uh-huh. season. It's wedding season, y'all. It's so fun. And you can check out user ratings and reviews on any fragrance or take Scentbird's True Scent Quiz. Oh, love a good quiz. Yeah, we To do. discover more personalized recommendations for your taste. Couldn't be easier. Couldn't be more convenient. It's awesome. And with an exclusive offer just for our listeners, you can get 50% off your first month today. That is only $7.50 for your first fragrance. Come no on, more, that's amazing. No more perfume graveyard, people. Mm. Go to scentbird.com forward slash gals and use our code gals, that's G-A-L-S, for 50% off your first month. Again, that is S-C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com forward slash gals <laughs> for you to try your first perfume or cologne for $7.50. Sign on, smell amazing, treat yo aura. Treat it. If you've listened to the show at all, ever, or seen us in person, or know us in our personal lives. Or follow our social media. (laughs) (laughs) You already know how much we love our Rothies. Yeah. The relationship between myself and my shoes uh, is real. It is. It's, It's so real. They are stylish. They are sustainable. They're comfortable. They're washable. Mine are literally in the laundry right now. Being oh my God. washed. Yeah. I've washed mine a number of times because you can't take a pair of flats to New York City in no. March and like no. get away with it. Mm-mm. Yeah, they are the perfect flats for life on the go. They come in a wide range of colors and patterns. They're available in four different silhouettes. I personally like the point. I have them I'm in around. I'm around patterns. You do. <laughs> I do. I'm. It's. It might be an issue, but it's not actually because they're the only shoes you will ever need. Plus, they are constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair or three or six or 12 or 35 mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks, and they sell out constantly. I'm currently on the wait list for the Point in Flame. Yeah. Yeah. I already have the lipstick that goes with it, so Rothy's, I'm going to need you to (laughs) turn that out a little faster. I'm waiting on it. it. And it will blow your mind that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles. No joke, y'all. Rothy's has diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills, so you can feel really, really, really good about buying and wearing these incredibly comfortable shoes. They, they're they so soft and so comfortable, you literally will not believe they're made out of plastic. And another major bonus, they're fully machine washable. Every time they need a refresh, you can simply toss them in the washing machine. It's like getting a fresh pair every laundry day. Just don't dry them. You let them air dry, but God, they look absolutely good as new. It's amazing. They are manufactured in a zero waste factory and they ship directly in the shoebox. No unnecessary packaging. These are feel-good flats in more ways than one. We love giving a little back to the environment and reducing our waste. It is amazing. And you'll quickly discover why BuzzFeed called them the forever shoes. I seriously Seriously. wear these almost every day. They are incredible unmatched flats. You will never need another pair of flats in your life. just another pair of Rothy's. Mm -hmm. Just every single pair of Rothy's, (laughs) for sure. 
Um, so check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com forward slash gals. Go to rothys.com forward slash gals to get your new favorite flats. You get comfort, you get style, you get sustainability, and these are the shoes that you have been waiting for. One more time, that's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com forward slash gals. Treat your feet. Treat them. So we are diving into the British serial killer, Harold Shipman. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And Kenyon and I are switching it up this week because we're sharing. We're sharing a case. And actually, we're full sharing. disclosure, I had a mental breakdown early last week about all the work we had to do. And so Amanda actually wrote this case. And I am just saying words out loud like reading from a prompter. So it's great. Hi, you're doing great. Okay. It's fine. I have a lot on my plate. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Harold Shipman was born in Nottingham, England mm. in 1946. So you know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for some geography. Justin does not know what that means. Yeah. Justin. <laughs> Whenever we do a case from England, okay. we situate that town or village on a map and find the silliest town names around Surrounding it. Surrounding it. Because without fail, there are some gems. Yeah. Peniston. Peniston. Mm-hmm. Licky was- end. And I'm sure none of them are pronounced the way that we're pronouncing them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crushing it. It's fine. Don't give them any credit, Justin. So this is the only, <laughs> the only part of this case that I actually wrote. Okay. Good job. <clears throat> Nottingham lies northwest of Stragglethorpe and no. Cockgrave. No. <laughs> North of Cockgrave? Cockwave? Cockfave. Cockfave is more to the south. This is Cockgrave. Cockfave. For all of your disposed of cots for when your in-laws are in town and a graveyard of cots. Can you think of a more depressing name of a town? Cockgrave. Than Cockgrave. No, I can't. North of Gotham. And Ooh. Bunny. Yes. Bunny. Just, just Bunny is the name of the town. Southeast of Greasley. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's <and> al- fingers. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> and almost due south of Blidworth Bottoms, <laughs> Papplewick, and Dorket Head. Okay. Dorket Head. Nicely done. (laughs) And also in some direction at some distance from Peniston. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so a little bit of background. Harold was the middle child in a working class family in the 1940s. Unlike most middle children who are often considered the forgotten child, Harold was the favorite child of his mother, Vera. Mm-hmm. And Vera was known to be, quote, domineering. <laughs> Hashtag fucking patriarchy, but also relatable AF. <laughs> <laughs> 
and allegedly uh, gave Harold an inflated ego and sense of superiority from a young age, which affected his social life and relationships, making him the isolated weirdo on the playground making potions <laughs> under a tree in the back hey, corner of the school Too lot. close to home. <laughs> oh, wait, that was us. <laughs> we literally, Justin, this was before Amanda joined our little group, but when Lucy and I were in elementary school in third grade, we there were like picnic tables in our, you know, recess area, and we the used to l- lay on them with our arms crossed over our chests like corpses mm-hmm. and we pretend, were vampires. pretend that we were vampires and those were our coffin beds, cot graves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those were our cot graves. <laughs> but you're in the sun. <laughs> there oh, we were never in the sun. Always the logical one, Justin. <laughs> yeah. there, were, there were trees. There was shade. Okay. Yeah. We actually actively avoided direct sunlight while we were playing this game slash all the time. You Mm. clearly have never seen a photo of Lucy as a child. We were not in the sun. Her sunken eyes cannot handle vitamin D. I'm real pale. Yeah. Lucy looked exactly like, uh, what's her name from The Sixth Sense under the table at the funeral. Oh my God, Misha Barton. Misha Barton in The Sixth Sense. Yeah, vomit on my sweater already. (laughs) Mom's spaghetti. Full circle. Mom kept poisoning her spaghetti. Anyway, continue. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, whether you want to blame Vera or not, if you're a misogynist or not, Harold Mm. had very few (laughs) friends and was definitely an oddball. And would have become a podcaster if he had been born in a would different have era. Been or the president gal. of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> when Harold was just a teenager, his beloved mother Vera was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. Harold stepped up to oversee her care at home, even though he was still a teenager, so basically mm. a child himself, and definitely did not have any medical training. But whatever, it's the 50s. Yeah, you didn't need it. (laughs) Meh, meh, whatever. So he found himself... There's ghosts in your blood. Do cocaine about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, He found himself particularly fascinated with the positive effects of morphine on Vera's suffering. Mm. Mm. Some Mm. foreshadowing, mayhaps. Perhaps. (laughs) I stroke my mustache inquisitively. (laughs) So Vera sadly lost her battle with cancer in June of 1963, leaving 17-year-old Harold completely devastated. But now he was determined to go to medical school and become a doctor in the hopes of relieving others from their suffering. His life's work, shall we say. (laughs) Relieving those suffering. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Harold has a busy few years between 1966 and 1970. He is accepted into the Leeds School of Medicine in West Yorkshire and married a woman with the most British name ever, <clears throat> Primrose May Oxtoby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Primrose Huxtable. <laughs> The third. The third. Yeah. Can you even believe that name? No. I couldn't. Her I could family not believe it. definitely owned other human beings. Primrose May Oxtoby. 
the fourth. The fourth. <laughs> so, so keep in mind that at this point, Harold is about 24 years old. He's already a doctor. He's married. And soon the couple had four children together. Cue Amanda's bitterness. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You don't want to be married with four kids at 24. That's a lot to handle. I don't Harold, want four kids Harold at any point. Mentally, did life. not handle it well. <laughs> Clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, But things were not as they seemed with the family man and doctor. You might even say he was leading a double life. I should hope so, because that's the topic of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Within a year of joining a medical practice in Todd Morden, Yorkshire, which is where they found Zygmunt Adamski's body, remember? My case from the alien episode. That's right. Same town, Todd Morden. Kind of dug deep on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Kenyon's really good at connecting dots. I forget everything anyone says within 30 seconds of you saying it. Yep. Justin, when are you doing your case? (laughs) (laughs) Amanda has a cognitive disorder. I have acute amnesia. (laughs) Caught grave disorder. Cop grains <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough. There's not much research. Um, Goldfish-itis. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so he joins this medical practice in Todd Morden as a family practitioner, but he's caught forging his own prescriptions for excessive amounts of the pain drug pethidin, um, which mm. is basically Demerol. Mm-hmm. So like an intense painkiller. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, that's a big yeah. one. Obviously, this is a crime. He was fined about 600 pounds and fired from the hospital. Uh, but there were also concerns about his substance use, like cha. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he checked into a rehab program in New York and spent about two years there working on his recovery. So that's good. Mm-hmm. In 1977, he took a new job as a general practitioner at the Donnybrook Medical Center near Manchester. So, okay, when I was researching this, I kept reading it as Donkey Brook. (laughs) It's not Donkey Brook, but just know that I can only see it as Donkey Brook. Amanda has several cognitive disorders, and I embrace them all Donkey Brook syndrome. I have caught grave donkey brook syndrome. <laughs> it's, it's not very tough. serious. It's really hard when those illnesses <laughs> compound like that. It's not very serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin's going to get that when he gets out of his flooded basement. So after the lobotomy, everything was much better. Okay, so Harold. With a hair blower, like a hair dryer, just waiting to drop it. (laughs) (laughs) If this episode goes on for 10 more minutes. Uh, (laughs) Today we learned Justin would rather electrocute himself than be on our show ever again. (laughs) Not surprised. Okay. We have an effect on people. (laughs) Just ask Payne Lindsay. So Harold (laughs) thrived. (laughs) 
at Donkey Brook, and he was well-liked, trusted, and respected by patients and practitioners alike, notably taking strong stances on the improper treatment of folks with mental illness. Um, He was even interviewed as part of a documentary called World in Action, which was a popular investigative journalism show in the UK um, from the 60s to the late 90s. 2020. Basically, yeah. He sounds like, in this case, like, okay, had a rough patch, but like, who hasn't? And now he's like, you know, getting back on track. And like championing the rights of like mentally ill people in his community. Yeah. Great. Sounds like we should be all for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if I'll change my mind very soon. That's right? not how this show works. <laughs> we never like a twist. <laughs> I took you guys on an emotional roller coaster with mine. I think it might you be. really did. Yeah, I know. If there's yeah. a lingerie in your case, I'm I gonna know. be pissed. Oh We're just my gonna god! Let's write one in quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, Harold held his general practitioner position with the hospital in Donkey Brook for nearly 20 <laughs> years uh, before deciding to go out on his own and start his own practice in 1993. But much like Donald Trump, the mm. 90s were not good to Harold. <laughs> um, and folks started noticing some shady shit. Mm-hmm. So while he'd been practicing at Donkey Brook, a local undertaker who often handled deceased patients from the hospital had grown increasingly concerned with the number of Harold's patients winding up in his mortuary. Mm-hmm. Curiouser and curiouser, Dr. Donkey Brook. He also noticed suspicious details that seemed to appear in each patient's folder. They were older patients. They were fully clothed. Thank God. They were (laughs) were usually sitting up or reclined on a day bed. And um, instead of taking his concerns to the proper authorities, unfortunately, this undertaker um, approached Harold himself and was told that, this is normal. There's nothing to worry about. And Harold did work with a lot of like geriatric patients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, borderline. So unfortunately this undertaker took Harold's response at face value, like a moron and, Mm. um, dropped the matter and just moved on and kept burying all these fucking dead people. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) You know, it's always funny because we think there's all these checks and balances. We think that there is some sense of order to our world. And then you write something like that or, you know, listen to that podcast, Dr. Death. And you're like, oh, Oh my God. No, we're all fucked. Yes, we're so fucked. As somebody with chronic back pain. Can't. I, uh, uh, Dr. Death was like so... I had such visceral reactions. Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. So if you're in your 80s, you're going to have that same response to Harold Shipman. Mm -hmm. And also, what are you doing listening to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Grandma. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Actually, Zach's grandma does listen. Hi, Grandma Lynn. Okay. Hi, Grandma. 
So it took the persistence of a woman, shocker, mm-hmm. like always, to actually dive into this matter thoroughly. So Dr. Susan Booth, who had been a medical colleague of Harold's at Donkey Brook, <laughs> was also Thank cre- you for embracing Donkey You're Brook. Welcome. Of course. <laughs> so, Donkey Brook on Peniston. Women supporting women. Ick. <laughs> Donkey Brook on Peniston. <laughs> I hate it. So Dr. Susan Booth was also creeped out by not only the number of deaths under his care, but the uncanny similarities in the deaths themselves. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Noticing a pattern. So Dr. Booth alerted the local authorities as well as the local coroner's office to look closer and get some fucking answers. Mm-hmm. But shoddy police work and obvious disinterest in looking into the case led to Harold Shipman being cleared. Mm-hmm. Bas- basically, the police glanced at his medical records and were like, nah, whatever, looks fine, and like didn't involve the general medical counsel, um, didn't look into his past criminal history even. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cops, they're not... You know, it's like reporting a cyber crime today. That's just not going to go over very well. (laughs) No. Yeah, they're just like, well, I don't know. Let me know when it gets serious. Right. It's like, oh, how many people died under suspicious circumstances? Oh, they're all over 80? Eh, we don't care. Yeah, She had the right to disappear. Mm. (laughs) Oh, I hate that shit. Do they have a history of running away? Probably a runaway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But... Persistence on the part of Quain, Dr. Booth, Mm -hmm. um, and also another badass woman named Angela Woodruff, who was the daughter of one of Harold's patients who died suspiciously, finally led to a deeper investigation, and what they uncovered is nothing short of bonkers. And Mm. I'm going to hand it off to Amanda to finish up this case. This section is called, This Idiot Messed with the Wrong Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Bitches. Well, especially this badass bitch. So let's talk about Angela Woodruff, who is one of the heroes of this case. Her mother, Kathleen Grundy, was one of Harold's patients. Kathleen was found dead in her home on June 24th, 1998. Um, Despite being 81 years old slash 81 years young at the time of her death, Mm -hmm. her passing was still a shock to the family because she was an active and healthy woman without any kind of pre-existing or terminal condition that she was struggling with. She also, was like, like your it. grandmother is a hundred and two. Yeah. I had a relative who lived to be a hundred and seven. Yeah. Quite frankly, when my grandmother dies, I will be suspicious and call for an investigation. Even though she's <laughs> 102 years old, I will not rest. We want more than one autopsy. Yep. I, w- I, I will put the money in <laughs> to make sure that shit is thorough. Um, So she was super healthy and everybody was like, what the fuck? We just saw her. Like, there's no way this makes no sense. Um, So Harold, as Kathleen's general practitioner, had made a home visit to Kathleen and was the last person to see her alive. The death certificate was signed off on simply uh, by him that he signed off on simply listed old age as the cause of death, which is just not accurate. Not, not, Not even 
I don't even mm. think that's legal anymore. That's not even Ni- a thing. I don't think it is, but ni- 1998, baby. All right. Um, and so Kathleen's daughter, Angela, who is a goddamn lawyer, was like, mm, I don't know about this. So already suspicious as fuck, Angela receives word that a brand new will had been drafted by her mother quite recently. <laughs> and Let she, me guess. Im- yeah. And she <laughs> immediately has doubts about its authenticity. Most notably, the will completely excluded Angela and her children. And Angela was Kathleen's only child. And Kathleen was a wealthy widow. (laughs) So, like, who the fuck else would she have left her money to? Oh, weird. I gotta guess. (laughs) The will left 386,000 pounds to Harold Shipman. Holy (laughs) fuck. That's all. He was a good doctor. He was yeah. such, he was a really good doctor. Um, <laughs> that one and, time he came to see me <laughs> to kill me. <laughs> in a quote that I could only hear in Lucy's voice, Angela stated, <clears throat> "It was badly typed." <laughs> <laughs> my mother was a meticulous, tidy person. The whole thing was unbelievable. The whole concept of my mother signing a document, giving everything to her doctor, was inconceivable, and it was badly typed (laughs) she emphasizes badly typed so many times in this like interview article that i read with her and i was like this bitch gets it she has to look over legal documents every day she's gonna see this will and if it's if there's like a toe out of place she's gonna notice Mm -hmm. well and also like yeah if her mother's a meticulous person she's sure as hell not gonna let some badly Mm -hmm. typed document be her last will and testament are you kidding no Nino. So Angela immediately went to the police who were also suspicious of the badly typed will (laughs) and launched a full investigation, starting with exhuming poor Kathleen's body, which is always a tragedy in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's good that they did because a postmortem revealed that she had died of a morphine overdose. Mm -hmm. I just want to put it out there that if there are any questions or concerns about my death, exhume me, baby. I dig do her not up. care. Dig her up. Dig yeah. her up. Mm-hmm. Can we exhume you even if we're pretty sh- confident in how you die? Yeah, even if we're I, not that sure, but we just want to do it to like torture your family? I really that don't care. Bitch took my favorite <laughs> necklace. Dig her up. <laughs> I know she has Burt's Bees down there and I'm out of chapstick. Oh, dig her yeah. up. <laughs> That's true. Oh my God. Um, Dig her up is our new chant. (laughs) Dig her up. (laughs) Medical examiners were able to determine that the morphine was administered within three hours of Kathleen's death, which weird was exactly within the time frame of Harold's doctor's home visit to her. (laughs) He's really good at cleaning up his trail. So, Police went to search Harold's home shortly thereafter, finding medical records, an odd collection of jewelry. Oh, an odd collection of trophies from dead women. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And an old typewriter, which investigators later determined was used to forge the badly typed will. Mm -hmm. The medical records they had seized from Harold's house showed an alarming number of elderly patients dying under similar circumstances under his care, many of whom Harold had insisted the families have cremated. Why would, so that if they, your doctor has an opinion on right? your funereal choices, like that's a red flag. Sketchy. 
Yeah, he's just pressuring them to have them cremated so that they can't dig her up and mm-hmm. prove that he did shit. Um, but he... Okay, where am I? Blah, blah, blah. So he insisted that the families have them cremated, but authorities combed through all these records and then thus prioritizing exhuming the bodies of previous patients who had not been cremated because obviously in a lot of circumstances, the family's going to be like, ew, fuck off. Don't tell me what to do with my dead mom. Right. Also, for a lot of religious reasons, yeah. people don't want to get cremated. Right. Um. So they uh, exhumed 15 bodies of deceased patients that he had medical records for to conduct postmortems on. And every single one showed evidence of lethal doses of morphine or a similar pain medication. Ugh, what a fucking creep. Yup. And yeah. every single one of those had his signature on their death certificates. And every single one also had accompanying falsified medical records listing some, either like some bogus condition so showing that they had been in poor health or had simply listed old age as the cause of death. In every single case. But the cops were like, oh, everything looks like it's in order. <laughs> well, yeah. the cops didn't, <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I know. This time He's around, they were man. like, okay. The first fucking time around, they didn't give a fuck. And now they're like, mm, this is what, what year is this? Uh, this started, the, the investigation started in the late 90s. Yeah, this is 1998 now, mm-hmm. right? Yep. How old was that typewriter? Great year. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I... I had a gateway 2000 and 1998. I was playing, you know, video games. Like you don't need to use a typewriter, but whatever. I'm just thinking, um, if you have a typewriter around, you should be investigated. <laughs> 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 if it's not as part of like a Pinterest, this is what I want my office to look like situation, then yes, you should really be investigated. Inexplicable wedding decor, then yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> One of my crappy exes had a typewriter. I should have fucking known them. Where were you, Justin? Oh Where my were God, you when I, know I dated exactly you? Exactly who you're talking <laughs> about. Details I pick um, up on. I think you don't know exactly. I think you do know. Anyway, <laughs> um, Harold's victims were all women. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, all of them, every single one. I covered this freaking case like two years ago. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, I read from like two or three different articles. It said in a couple of them that they were all women, but it's certainly possible that that's incorrect. He had a lot of victims, but he also had a weird mommy complex. So he did have a weird mommy complex and he did have a lot of victims. And we about to get to that. Yeah. And I think that maybe all the victims that died could have been females, but he had. That's true. Male victims that lived. Yeah. Mm. I'm only talking about dead, confirmed dead folks. Right. The dead, dead ones. Mm hmm. <laughs> The super so, dead ones. The super dead ones that were super dead. <laughs> we're victim Harold was arrested for the murders of Marie West, Irene Turner, Lizzie Adams, Jean Lilly, Ivy Lomas, Muriel Grimshaw, Marie Quinn, Kathleen Wagstaff, Bianca Pom- Pomfret, Nora Nuttall, Pamela Hillier, Maureen Ward, Winifred Meller, Joan Melia, and Kathleen Grundy by lethal Jesus. injections of morphine, all within the time frame of 1995 and 1998. He was killing people like, he was killing like a patient a week. Oh, probably more because... Yeah. 
we're gonna get to it. Yeah. Um, say is you're you pronouncing all those names. You killed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, aren't you sweet? If you well, say things helps. confidently enough, it sounds like you're pronouncing it right when you're Amanda's the not. real murderer here. <laughs> it helps that they're all also Harry Potter characters, so she's yeah. on top of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just say <laughs> everyone from Europe is Harry Potter. Yeah. I was just listing all the previous headmasters of Hogwarts. Anyway. Um, among the numerous Jesus. toxicity reports and clearly forged documents that implicated Harold in all of these cases, fingerprint and handwriting analysis of the badly typed Kathleen <laughs> Grundy will revealed that she never even touched the will. Literally not a single fingerprint of hers was on the will, mm -hmm. but several fingerprints of Harold's were on it. Mm -hmm. What a fucking idiot. And Kathleen's uh, signature on the will was immediately tossed out by handwriting experts as quote, a crude forgery. Like this fucker <laughs> didn't even try. Well, he'd killed so many people in the past getting away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as the trial progressed onto other victims and the testimony of their relatives, Dr. Harold's MO really started to take shape. So families reported a lack of compassion, a disregard for the wishes of the relatives, i.e. pushing cremation, mm -hmm. um, and a reluctance to attempt to revive his patients. Oh, so like Ew. some of these th events where he was killing them, like went down with families in the room at the time. Ooh. And during the trial, another fraud came to light where he would pretend to call emergency services like the UK 911 in a house call in the presence of relatives of the deceased and then claim to cancel the call when the patient was discovered to be dead. So he'd be like, working on this patient, they would slip away mm -hmm. like b monitors are beeping, whatever. And the family is like, Oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? And he like makes fake attempts to even like revive and then tr pretends to call nine one one. But then they pulled all of his phone, all the phone records that like co coincided with these reports. And there were no calls to nine one one made in like the time frames when he was there killing these people. Mm -hmm. That's he was so faking gross. It. And he's also making house calls. So he doesn't have any other like pesky, competent nurses and mm -hmm. doctors to like get in his way. Absolutely. So this guy's a fucking creep. Within six days of the end of his trial, he was found guilty of 15 counts of first degree murder. Um, I think the Brits call that murder, murder one. Mm. The and next one count drama on Acorn TV. Murder <laughs> one. From the uh, BBC. From the makers <laughs> of the Great British Bake Off. Um, the one count and one count of forgery, which at this point is like, fuck it. Who even cares about a forgery charge? But we're just going to like tack this on here for good measure. <laughs> one count of one forgery. One count of forgery when there were clearly hundreds. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of release, which is great. But wait, there's more. Mm. The 15 murders he was charged with began in 1995, but Harold had been practicing medicine since the late 70s, and both legal and medical authorities were about to audit this dude's entire career. Oh, Ooh. damn. So a clinical audit conducted by Professor Richard Baker of the University of Leicester? Leicester. Leicester. Sure. I know sure. that Worcestershire. one. Worcestershire. It's, it's it, Leicester. It's Worcestershire. Uh, examined <laughs> the number and patterns of deaths in Harold Shipman's practice and compared them with those of other practitioners. 
And this report found that rates of death amongst his elderly patients were significantly higher, clustered at certain times of the day, Mm -hmm. and that Shipman was in attendance in a disproportionately high number of these cases. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's not common for your general practitioner doctor who is just, like, your primary care person you go to a physical for, like, once a year to be present at your death. Also, I want to refer us all to Lucy's 10th tip and trick. I only had nine jokes on you. Ninth tip and (laughs) trick, which was know when to quit. Yeah. This isn't the 70s anymore, bruh. No. All right. We have spreadsheets. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. We keep the receipts because they're digital, motherfucker. Yeah. We don't use a typewriter, brah. <laughs> brah. <laughs> um, and this audit goes on to estimate that he may have been responsible for the deaths of at least 236 oh, patients over a 24-year God. period. It's oh, my God. So mm-hmm. many. So many. Um, so an investigation spearheaded by High Court Judge Dame Janet Smith, Dame Judy Dench, <laughs> <laughs> examined the records of 500 patients who died while in Harold's care, and the 2,000-page report concluded that it was likely he had murdered at least 218 of these patients. Oh, my God. It could easily have been more, but it's impossible for them to like pinpoint every single one because they couldn't get all the like post-mortem evidence that they needed and the records. Yeah, Yeah, they're not going to dig up all of those people. No, and well, a lot of them were cremated. Yeah. So it's like, fuck. Um, It's also impossible to tell when he started his killing spree, but he may in fact have taken his first victim within months of getting his license to practice medicine. Um, A 67-year-old woman named Margaret Thompson who died in 1971 while recovering from a stroke um, that happened under his care and the circumstances and the records surrounding that death were also very suspicious. Um, but any deaths prior to 1975 were not officially pinned on him. They couldn't be proven. We also don't even know that he didn't necessarily kill his own mother. Well, okay. That was Touché. hard to pinpoint because like he oversaw her care, but there were visiting medical practitioners who were like administering her morphine and yada 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 and he was but, 17 but yeah and he was 17 but he also might not like, have killed her but that was likely part of the basis for this urge mm-hmm. oh for mm-hmm. sure yeah because it was basically him just recreating like seeing his mom die over and over and over again super fucked up Um, Harold maintained his innocence until the bitter end and his wife Primrose also stood by him staunchly. Please refer to the drive slash our blog for photos of Primrose and Harold. Very British and Harold. Mm -hmm. Um, On January 13th, 2004, Shipman was discovered at 6 a.m. hanging in his prison cell at Wakefield, having used bedsheets tied to the window bars of his cell. Mm. Too good. Now, Huh? Too good for him. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were not a high enough thread count. Um, <laughs> some Jesus. UK tabloids said that Harold and Primrose had plotted his death together so that Primrose could collect a 100,000 pound payout in addition to a 10,000 pound yearly payout on top of that. And I love to speculate wildly, but I didn't find much else to like legitimately corroborate that to be reality. Do you have thoughts on that, Justin? 
Um, I don't think they they were in cahoots. I I, I don't really either. Yeah, I mean, there's so many uh, family members of serial killers that have no clue, mm-hmm. right? You know, like the daughter of Dennis Rader, the BTK. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're really good at lying to their families. And when this is your father, this is your family member. I mean, sorry, but you're in denial. You can't. Yeah, absolutely. Can't see that clearly. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I'm a little bit surprised that an insurance company, that there isn't some kind of clause where it's like, if you go to prison for murder, your your life insurance policy is canceled. I was thinking that too, but like these, they've been paying premiums Mm -hmm. and there are different, um, there are different policies you can take out that will cover things like suicide and other strange accidental deaths. But then your premiums are going to be really different on policies like that. And I don't know how European life insurance payouts or companies work. Right. So I'm not sure, but who even knows? Yeah. Anyway, that. There, there was one detail I think I remember from this case. Uh, he had misdiagnosed or intentionally misdiagnosed a patient. I thought it was a guy uh, mm-hmm. with cancer mm. and actually put him on chemotherapy. Mm. <gasps> and he didn't even have cancer. No. Yeah. And, and then he overprescribed <sighs> the guy morphine and heroin just to skim off the top and keep the prescriptions mm-hmm. for himself. Oh yeah, uh, that was another thing too that I didn't include, but like after these people would die, he would be going back to their homes to like quote unquote collect the leftover medication so that it could be like dis- disposed of properly uh-huh, by like a doctor. In his veins. Yeah. Yeah, so they also when they went into his house, they seized like all these partially consumed opioids essentially yeah i've never heard of a doctor doing that yes you are supposed to dispose of old medications in some way that's not just the trash can i've never Mm. done it that way but i don't think that's like a service that's not a (laughs) service that your doctor provides when my dad died my mom and i were like campus yeah not even when my dad died my mom and i were like all right who needs muscle relaxants most okay let's check you get those (laughs) i was like i'll take the antibiotics i get a lot of utis i'll take those that point you're like the pharmacist you got your credit card out and you're like divvying out the pills yeah cannibalizing my dead father's medicine cabinet so hard she's not joking i'm not he had so much insulin that he didn't use you know how fucking expensive that shit is I raided the entire fridge. I had insulin for like six months because of that guy. God God bless you, dad. Obviously, I'd rather have him be alive and me to like pay for my insulin. But like, if there's going to be a bonus that comes from death, if you have to find a silver lining, I fucking found it. I'm very well adjusted. Anyway, that's Harold Shipman. Bravo, ladies. Bravo. Well, all the thanks goes to Amanda. I just read it out loud. But yes, thank you you so much. Justin, thank you for coming on the show. This has been the apex of my life. Delightful, truly. <laughs> Thank so you for sorry you us... had to sit in a, an actual puddle in your dark yeah. basement this whole time. Yeah. It's good. I, I have towels around me. Great. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you go get safely to dry land. <laughs> yeah, change your socks. <laughs> 
Oh, this was so great. I'm. Thank you so much. I'm so happy. Yes, thank you, Justin. So super duper special thanks to our special guest, Justin, from Gen Y Podcast. Check him out if you haven't already. Thank you again, Justin. And thank you to Historical AF Pod. I mean, I got no pun for that. That podcast just sounds awesome, and I want (laughs) to listen to it. And they're giving us $5 a month, so come on now. It is straight up my alley, personally. Thank you to Isaac Belcher. That was supposed to be a belch, not like a vomit thing. And Isaac would like to shout out his fiance, Travis Grimm. Oh, so nice. Couple of Grimm Belchers over here. I love it. Couple goals. Uh, thank you as well to Kayla, Kala, Kayla, Kala, if you like pina coladas. Thank you for your $5 a month donation. <laughs> thank you to Ryan Gilliam. Mm. Gilliam? Gilliam? Hardly Gil- know him. Gilliam, us that five bucks a month. Thank Nailing you so it. much. Nailing it. And to you, Jessica Torres. Uh, I want to go on Torres with you, and I we are on Torres, but you're not here, <laughs> Jessica Torres, and that makes me sad. Five dollars a month, thank you. You're buying us a lot of mozzarella sticks on the road, baby. Ugh, side of marinara. Mm. Thank you to Sarah Lafleur for your five dollars mm. a month. You're just the most beautiful flower, Sarah Lafleur. Mm. Okay. Katrina Romero is also giving $5 a month and would like to shout out her daughter, Kasali. Kasali Romero. Thank you for the pronunciation guide. How lovely that you are shouting out your kiddo. I wonder which one was the gateway gal. I wonder if it was Kasali or Katrina. It was definitely Katrina Romero. (laughs) Well, either way, we're glad to have you and we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Rachel Smith. Mm. Rachel. Rachel Smith. Rachel uh, Smith. Smith. You've you've blown us to smithereens. There with, it is. With your generous spirit. Thank you, Rachel. Mm. <laughs> and Carlin Hill raising their donation of two to five dollars a month. This is the hill I will die on. Yes. Thank you so much for your donation. Love those increases. Looking at you, Erica the Deerndle Maker. O M F G Yas. Erica made us those custom dirndls that we wore to CrimeCon in 2018. Kenyon and I were just reminiscing yesterday about the day we (laughs) made her get on the gondola in her dirndl, and she was so (laughs) tired and so jet-lagged and so hungover, and her dead eyes were so prevalent. So dead. It was amazing. (laughs) The dirndl really made that moment. And I will say I've worn my dirndl on several occasions since then. So thank you for that as well, Erica, the dirndl maker. They're not just for Oktoberfest. And Aaron Regan is kicking off our $10 a month tier. You are going to be getting a fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass in the mail. Thank you, Aaron. You are regal. And we appreciate you. Yes. We do. We also appreciate Jennifer Watson. Watts out. Uh, You're coming in hot with your 10 bucks a month. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer. As is Sophie H. What the H-E double hockey stick, Sophie H. Thank you for your $10 a month donation, Sophie H. <laughs> Thank you also, Ginger Hartman. You sweet, sweet ginger snap. You got a heart. You got a huge heart, man. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Rachel McDonald. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're loving you. 
Oh, <laughs> I've been Love waiting. It. I've been waiting. <laughs> Thank you to Michelle Hiscock. Don't go there. I'm going to steer away from the obvious. Don't do it. <laughs> Michelle, my bell. You're welcome for not making a dick mm-hmm. joke with your name. Thank you, Michelle. I like it. And thank you to Anna. Anna needs no last name. Ooh. Anna, you're our banana. And we appreciate Anna. Rosanna Dana, you, Anna. <laughs> Karenana. Anna Karenana. <laughs> thank you, Dana Bison. Bison? Bison. You mm. are the ruler of the Byzantine Empire with your $10 a month. Thank you so much. OMG. And thank you, Liz Nast. Ooh. Getting nasty, Liz Nast, who is, uh, I believe, running the all ki- all killer no filla out of context yes. Twitter account, A-K-N-F-O-O-C. They've increased their donation from $2 to $10 a month. You will be getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail. I don't know why I'm doing an old-timey little whatever these things are. Auctioneer, here we go. Here we go, Liz Nast. <laughs> Who's next? Who's next? <laughs> I just have to say that the wine and crime out of context Twitter account it's is one of my favorite things. My favorite Twitter. So account. I love out of context accounts for podcasts. So thank you, Liz Nast, <laughs> for all of the work you're doing. It's not easy. They remember all these great quotes that we oh. always forget. We love it. Yeah. Reminds me how, you know, drunk we were once upon a time. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Thank you to Lynn Van Hoos, who increased their pledge from five to ten bucks a month. You'll be getting a wine glass for that increase. Mm. And kicking off our trash (laughs) quant here is Kelly Clark. Kelly Clarkson, since you've been gone, we've been missing your face. I don't know. I'm so tired. $15 (laughs) a month. Thank you so much. You're going to get a fucking patriarchy wine glass and some dusty, dusty trash. So will Michelle Wong. Mm. If that's Wong, I don't want to be right. Exactly. There we go. Mm. Thank you to Leanne Castillon. Leanne Rhymes. Thank you for your $15 a month donation. You're casting a spell on us. Duct tape. All right. Thank you to Logan Jones Mm. with their $25 a month. Thank you so much to you, Logan Jones. You'll be able to pick a topic and or wine and or case. Yes, our sweet queen. Logan. Isn't that like a Wolverine movie? Totally. Yes. I don't have anything else to say. I don't know about Wolverine. Samesies. Um, (laughs) Kevin Clawiter. Whoa. Don't claw at me, Kevin Clawwitter. We just wanted to accept your $25 a month donation. You do get to pick a case and or crime and or topic and or wine, assuming we can get it. And we can't wait to hear what you have to say. Yes. Oh, my Ditto God. Ditto for me. Yes. Oh, my God. Michael Scott. Oh, my you God. Michael Gary Scott. 100% of the shots you don't, you don't take. take. Bit of an oaky <laughs> afterbirth. <laughs> she's crowning oh okay oh my god incredible i can't there's too many michael jo- michael it's Scott so good jokes. send us your topic idea we love you thank you lauren rainey uh i ran i ran so far away lauren rainey just to get to your donation mm, the rans and spans stay manly in the, plan. in the plans <laughs> That was we so got there. Stupid. So stupid. Laura Vukelik. Mm. Nailed it. You uh, <laughs> increased. 
you did increase your They blood. increased their donation. Laura. From, whoa, big leap. Big leap. Laura or Laura? Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. There Clearly we go. raided some tombs recently because now they've gone from $2 to $25 a month and we are feeling it. Hell yeah. Uh, Cody Hinkle just fed up with the trash queen tier, got their trash. Now they want to pick a case and or topic and or why. So they've increased from $15 a month to $25 a month. Thank you, Cody. I love you. A hinkle and a peck, a hinkle and a peck and a hug around the neck. (laughs) We also love these once off donations. So big Mm. thank you to Catalina Restrepo. You are obviously some sort of high octane thriller movie. For sure. Catalina Restrepo. Are you kidding me with that name? Yeah. It's incredible. You're a spy. You're a spy. You're clearly Um, a spy. Helen Martin. We're just going to call you Helen Mirren. Uh, also gave $10 <laughs> once off. God bless you, Helen. Helen Mirren. Last but not least, we got Michelle Paris. Mm. Last but not least. Michelle Giving us Paris. a 25-buck 25, 25 once-off donation. So many mozzarella sticks. Thank you so Ugh. much, Michelle. Meet me in Paris. Midnight in Michelle Paris. Oh, well. Well, with consent. <laughs> with consent. Love it. <laughs> All right. See you next week. We love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! When your topic is gruesome murders, wine is an absolute requirement. If you like true crime and all its gory details, and drinking all the wine you can guzzle, then Blood and Wine is definitely for you. I'm Brittany. And I'm Tyler. And in each weekly episode, we indulge in a new wine and bring you macabre stories of crime and murder. We discuss the best... Uh, worst. ...of wine, crime, and everything in between. From well-known serial killers like Bundy and Dahmer, to more obscure crimes you may never have heard of, we cover it all. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe to Blood and Wine, a true crime podcast on Apple Podcasts and on all major podcast platforms. Bye. Bye. Bye.